I'm Rory Greener from XR Today, bringing you the latest in news and conversation from the extended reality space. Today, I'm joined by Anne McKinnon, co-founder and chief operating officer for Wristband, and Roman Rapak, co-founder and CEO of Wristband. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. To start us off, could you introduce us to Wristband and the ways you're reimagining live events as an immersive VR experience? Yeah, sure. So I guess the the best place to explain wristband is to is is to look at it rather than it being a reimagining of live events, is to look at how the metaverse can reinforce and support live events. Um, what happens uh, a lot when we discuss the project when people first find out about it is the assumption that we're suggesting that uh, a a a, a, virt a, a virtual event will ever replace a real event and actually it's quite the opposite what we're saying is we're existing in all these different levels of reality whether we're on our phones or whether we're an avatar in a social media app or playing in a game um, and that increasingly that virtual world has more and more to do with what's happening in the physical space so the vision for where we think the future is going is to suggest that there is a virtual layer of, you can call it the metaverse you can call it web3 whatever uh, that will take place over everything that happens, whether that's a shop that you walk into, uh, a theater production you experience, or a live concert. So wristband, we're starting with concerts. Um, and as a really quick explanation of how that works, any concert that takes place in the real world can also have a digital twin happening in real time on our platform. So if a show is a 300 capacity venue, uh, jazz cafe, and it's sold out, there could be avatars from anywhere from the Philippines to Cal to California uh, coming to the event and taking experiencing it in 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 one sense of reality uh, and then obviously restrictions that we all experienced during covid of not being able to travel of people not being able to gather kind of fast tracked our relationship with technology and the way people are experiencing events um, and so wristband is put there to kind of reinforce physical events um, and to offer a a way of any event to take place in a virtual sense at the same time. Yeah, to add uh, super quick to that too, is like we learned lots from our prototype events and that was like reimagining, not live, but like reimagining how that process happens within the game engine. Because if you go to a lot of platforms, you arrive and you're like, oh, I've got no idea what I'm supposed to do next. That whole like the process and ritual of like arriving at an event in a festival and being with your friends and like, finding the artist in stage or experience has been lost. And it's really easy to lose when you're looking at game engines and online experiences. Uh, so we've also looked at not just like bringing live experiences into the metaverse, but like, can you create that intimate social experience that you crave when you go to a real event and like you create these memories and you want to come back and it's exciting, fleeting moment. So like having meet and greets, having like digital signings or like having art galleries that like the artist actually takes you around. So it's much more than just going to a 2D screen as Roman was saying, and it's really leveraging all these incredible mechanics that take place in the metaverse. I guess really well put. And I think it goes back to the idea where it's the sense of, you know, should immersive solutions be transformative or should they be assistive? I feel like it goes into the idea of enhancing um, human relationships using VR rather than, as you say, rather than reimagining or replacing it. Um, and how about enhancing human relationships? Could you talk about how you're helping this in a post-COVID environment, especially? 
yeah, I guess the best way is to explain how our, our first public event after Anne mentioned we did about a year of R&D where we were doing secret events to test out how audiences react to different things, how we would lay the world out, the format, etc. The, 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 the first public one was a few weeks back at the South by Southwest uh, Music Festival where a, at a physical theatre in Austin, uh, we had a show that was sold out with live music. It, we used everything from visuals, projection, mapping, uh, VR, AR, to bring the audience that's physically there into a parallel twin of that event that was taking place in the metaverse. And at the same time, people at home were on a platform that ran on PC, uh, Mac, mobile, and they could jump into that same event that was happening in real time. Um, and I think that that kind of gets to the core of what what's important to us is is that if you think of when you watch Glastonbury on TV, it's a completely different experience to being at Glastonbury. No one ever sits watching Glastonbury and turns to this person they're with and says, do you know what? It doesn't really feel like we're there. It's not meant to feel like you're there. It's meant to be an extension of it. But with that, there's a language that had to evolve about how how do you have a TV version of a live event? How do you, you know, even the format of a, a football game is totally different on TV and the way it's presented in the format. Um, and that's really what we've been learning, you know, because certain things don't work in a virtual platform. And then there are certain things that actually work that you could never do in reality. So it's finding the balance between something that uh, simulates aspects of a, of a real event. Um, and then there's how do you connect people? Like what is the essence that Anne kind of went through earlier. What are the essential uh, emotional reactions and rituals that go that people undergo when they're going to a concert? Which is like sometimes it's sometimes it's traveling in a car with your mate while you're listening to the band you're about to go and see. Sometimes that's one of the most memorable bits of a concert, you know. So as much as we can, we have things like you know in the early days we would just spawn everyone at the venue, and then we realized that's not how a show works, is it? You never appear at the venue so we would spawn everyone on the outskirts of town and it presented this really interesting interaction where some people would be meeting up as they walk into the gig some people would give each other a lift people would like form friendships in the same way that, that would work um and then like Anne said you know having a uh a, a after party or a meet and greet where if you go to a 5,000 capacity venue the chances of you then going to a small after party they're limited because they can't possibly have all those people in there. But with the with in, um, XR and with a uh, metaverse platform, you can do things that, first of all, are safe for all the people involved. But second of all, transcend all the normal rules of time and space. Yeah, I think if we're looking at human interaction too, there's a huge reason why kids are hanging out on platforms like Roblox or Fortnite. And if we look at the evolution of media from like live events to, you know, web to social media and then like interactive platforms, people aren't generally like spending 20, 40 hours a week chatting on Twitter because it's not nearly as engaging as like being in Roblox or being in wristband. So there's a really important like reason why like it's a, to make these areas like inclusive and safe is also like really important to like this, this kind of setup for making the future and these digital platforms a better place. And one thing that was really important to our events is having a host. So she would welcome everyone in the platform. She's like, hey, Rory, like, I love your XR sweater. Like, 
like I didn't know you were working at XR, like you were, like you were telling me about the car driving stunts you were doing last week. And they'd be formed this relationship and like a person would have a sense of identity and like a sense of purpose and like they would learn a bit about each other as so they'd get connected and like have this memory and go hang out with social media after and share their special moments. And I think also like when you talk about events, it's exactly that. It's like this expectation of connecting with other people. And like that is something that is really, really important to what we're creating within wristband. And I think the metaverse too is like the biggest opportunity we have to make the world a better place. But that definitely takes a lot of care thinking about not just the mechanics of the platform, but how we design that social experience to be inclusive and safe for people coming uh, on board. And just slightly divert, have you used or how are you using performance metrics, user feedback to enhance the platform from a um, sort of user experience point of view, but then also to um, allow it to be a diverse and um, ethical platform in its own right? Yeah. The beginning of that, and if you want to answer, I, I think I missed out the beginning. Yeah. How are you using like interaction points to make our platform, I guess, develop it for the bettering uh, based on community feedback, but then also to be inclusive? And I think South by Southwest is a really great example because, in addition to like hybridizing this event uh, with one of the bands we're working with, Narrowshot, so we took their live VR concert in the physical world, and at the same time, it was available in wristband. So we had thousands of time in real life and hundreds come in through our community access portal. Um, so obviously there, there's like diversity within the band, but then we had this opportunity where we had this huge space within our platform. We wanted to include as many artists as we could. Uh, so we had, I think like just over a thousand NFT artists submit their work. We had super rare and rareable send out our open call. And we were able to include artists who like some of them are oil painters and they're taking pictures of their artwork and then selling as NFT. And if you buy the NFT, it also sells their physical artwork. Uh, very diverse group of people in there. And also just like people who are just starting out their careers as well as people who are more established. So I think like the whole purpose behind wristband is like, this isn't a platform that's just for your superstars or like your big studios. Like I think the biggest the, like the games that are making money on Roblox are meant by are made by professional studios, and that's because a lot of the tools are fragmented. They're difficult to use. Uh, there's no like streamlined process. It's hard to monetize. So making it accessible to jump in the platform, making it accessible to build something, making it easy to collaborate, and like making it for you know your independent creators, while also being like inclusive of yes, if someone has a big budget, they can come in, and that also helps to attract. A user base for the uh, indie artists just like a festival so you have this like rich um exchange that's both so the social and economic i think what we found as well is that that as long as we're welcoming to everyone and as long as we do our best to kind of communicate with them and um support them with whatever they're doing whether they're a musician or an artist or just a fan or a gamer or whatever then naturally the cross-section of people is super diverse like we did a, a secret event on sunday we were all on the Discord. And when we started speaking to people, we realized, well, this person's a, a producer from Germany. Uh, this girl is uh, a choreographer from Spain. Uh, this person's a 14-year-old Venezuelan kid that makes NFTs. And everyone, everyone was welcome, and everyone was really lovely with each other. And I think it's kind of, um, I think there's a really good example with Clubhouse in the early days of Clubhouse when I, I heard an interview with the CEO. And they were saying, well, how did you enforce this culture? Because you really can't enforce a culture. It has to be there. 
And the way that they that they approached it was they said, well, we just acted how we wanted people to act to them. And so we were supportive and we were encouraging and it became this sort of safe space. And then naturally the next people that come in, when they introduce it to people, they bring they, they pass on that kind of ethos and that ethic. And I think the XR community in general, I've never, I've across music and film and other things I've worked, other communities I've worked in, I've never known anything like the XR community in terms of how much they share how varied all their backgrounds are, you know, how varied their skill sets are. Sometimes you meet someone who's like, you know, we're on WhatsApp groups for, for a particular VR chat gang. And one of them is like, works for NASA. The other one is a teacher. Someone is like a Unity genius. Someone else doesn't know anything about Unity, but is an amazing graphic designer. And I think like as a, as a medium, it's supposed to, it, it, it's, one, it's, it's the first medium, I think, that takes in all of those things. Same with game design, I guess, because you it, you need to have architects, scriptwriters, mathematicians, uh, actors. You need all these different people, and a great XR experience captures all those things. But going back to the XR community, discussing it being a diverse uh, platform or a diverse um, uh, community, there's a running theme of democratizing platforms and borderless uh, VR solutions. Do you feel that you are expanding upon that uh, area of democratization and democratizing XR technology. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like as a movement, it's it's a tech a utopian movement. I think those are the people who are the most passionate about it, the people that think this can genu genuinely help. Like, you only have to think of how much the internet has helped spread, how people can, how many people have access to information, how many people can learn to read, how many people can find out what's happening in in their communities. And I think um, anyone who's embracing XR is, I think, nearly apart from the sort of people who are just doing it for, from a business and enterprise point of view, I think that there is a feeling that this can genuinely help humanity. I think it's, obviously it's dangerous to start to just sound like a complete tech hippie, but the world is a mess and it, technology that we're using, the Web2 era, as much as it helped, it, I don't think anyone, I, don't, I think it's not a, a stretch to say, it, it it's quite a poisonous thing, um, you know, to think how people on, you know, people who are like trolls and people using the internet for, for just to kind of spread misery. And, you know, you can see their sort of suicide rates are up and depression is up and everyone associates that with this because we're all on Instagram, et cetera. But I think, um, I think XR is, 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 the irony is it's such a futuristic and high tech uh, piece of equipment and, and technology but it's also very humanizing like you're in a space you're moving in a real space you're we've kind of almost come full circle where the most futuristic and detaching uh a, a technology that's based on the detachment from reality actually can connect us closer together so i'm definitely i'm all on board for that and what are your thoughts um i just love i think my favorite parts about like building what we are with wristband is talking to the community both from an ideas point and also just like vision and creativity. And I've, we've, I guess both of us have had people ask us like, is there an LGD, LGBTQ area? Is there like, what are the safety? Like if I go to the space, is there, is there a meetup? And like, what happens if someone harasses me or tries to, so having these like great ways, like um, rec or not rec room, um, old space VR where you can like block people too. So A, it's like impossible to ignore people in these spaces who, as Roman was saying, it's humanizing and you really are embodied in that space. 
compared to social media where you can just like scroll past, you know, everything from a furry cat to the war in Ukraine. And um, so by creating that A, like human recognition, but then B, like these tools where you can say, hey, like, I don't feel safe around you or you're harassing me and being able to mute someone or like make them a ghost. Also like kind of creates this positive reinforcement where you are curating the space that you want to be in. And I think that is really important again to making like an exciting, entertaining space that just like you'd have a bouncer at a club who'd kick out the person who wasn't being nice. You should be able to have the same thing in, in an extra space. I think also, I mean, I, I realized I kind of veered slightly off your question in terms of democratization of, 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 of the platform. I think mm-hmm. all technology is, it's impossible to keep the genie in the bottle in a way. Like recording technology meant that we could have copyright laws, etc. But as soon as Napster opened the floodgates for file sharing, that just got destroyed and technology overtook what the, the, the way that human beings were thinking about music at that time. And I think the same is true for, um, for XR. I think the, the fact that we're, we are, even though it doesn't, you know, if you speak to real OG XR people, XR started in the sixties, you know, even before the you know, sort of Damocles and stuff that NASA was doing. But if we're on the, like, if you call this like the fourth wave of, of VR or XR, uh, it's still incredibly expensive to buy a headset. It's not like, it's not like anyone can go and grab one. Like, like mobile phones are a good example. There was a time where mobile phones were like, you had to be a seriously rich businessman to have a mobile phone or a car phone. And then now they're everywhere and everyone can have one because they're, because the price has been brought down so much on everything on every side of it, from the production to the, um, the phones themselves to the, the pla- how much it costs to call someone. Um, and I think that that's something that probably will happen in the next five years, where if you think how much a quest costs compared to how much the original Vive cost, you know, you can start to see that's going down, but I don't think a platform can truly be uh, democratized uh, while it's something that is a, a, a consumer item that only wealthier people can buy. Yeah, I, I also realized I veered off of your question a bit. I think I veered us off. <laughs> <laughs> I was distracted by it. Uh, but yeah, I think like when we talk about democratization of platform, super, super quick too is like Instagram made everyone a creator. So all of a sudden you're not just a consumer, but you're a creator. Literally it took like a couple buttons to create your mini like JPEG experience that tells you a story. And I think the same thing for tools within our platform is like, can we have that where you can like pick your venue like drag and drop in your branding colors like choose your lighting and like dress up your avatar and like then you just go and do it and like making that process really easy so everyone can can be an influencer or a creator and artist is is the next wave of wave of this to to add to that if if you look at the current scene of how is xr how is the metaverse being used in music we are anything but democratized like it's really only people like travis scott Ariana Grande, DJ Marshmallow, David Guetta, U2, Muse, enormous established bands that have got a huge budget and have got a a vast amount of label backing who are doing events that are notable, like Minecraft or Fortnite or et cetera. And it's it's not that anyone's invented it and it's like an unfair system. It's just the logistics of it are so expensive and it's so complex that it's quite a good thing that someone like Bjork can go and spend a huge amount of money and do a one-off thing that uses lots of tech. Uh, but I see this, I see the metaverse and I see XR in general as potentially the most powerful tool artists have ever had, both for discovery, for creating worlds, for everything, every aspect of being an artist 
is enhanced by the power of what this technology can do. But at the moment, I, I don't think it's in the hands of independent artists at all. Like there isn't, this is why we built Wristband. It's like, there should be a city where I'm an artist that has a hundred followers and I can go in and I can create an experience and create an event. Um, and uh, it's, it's actually proven to be more viral in terms of the word of mouth because independent artists are always trying things out and they're always exploring things. And if you look at moments in music history where technology has transformed the entire landscape, MySpace, uh, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, those platforms were never initially used by major artists. They were indie artists and emerging artist platforms where people were like, I can't get a gig and I have no followers and I can't get discovered. And then you get this sort of amazing success stories of, and then they hit a million followers or, and then they just, you know, put a video on YouTube and it went viral or something like that. And I think that that's, those are stories that we want. Um, we want to create a fertile sort of soil for those stories to start emerging. That's fantastic. I think there's a lot to unpack there. And I do like what you uh, picked up on or what you discussed about building an ethical uh, metaverse or at least an ethical metaverse platform because it goes into what other groups such as Unity for Humanity and what Facebook are doing to create ethical metaverses too. I think there's a very clear and obvious push for that. And it's, um, I guess it's, it's great to see it at multiple levels from startups to um, platforms the size of, say, what Horizon Worlds will uh, inevitably be. I just wanted to diverge and finally ask about the Partner Labs program. I wanted to talk about what you're achieving there and what you've learned from that and what challenges have you faced um, within that program? Yeah, the Partner Labs program was basically because when you're building a platform in the metaverse or a metaverse platform, there's, it's almost it's almost intoxicating how many things you can do in it. And everyone has their own use case. Like we just got off a call with some people that do enormous stadium shows and they wanted to know a very specific thing about how they could exist in the metaverse. We spoke to a university who wanted to do seminars and they wanted us to build part of the university in response. We speak to A&Rs. Uh, so like a, a, an A&R at a label is, is, for those who don't know, is a kind of a scout or she's a scout who will go and explore, find new music, bring it to the table at the label and say, we should sign this. What they're asking us is completely different. They want to have a heat map of who's gone where. They'd like to have a control panel that's like a pro account, all these different things that they, they need. And gamers want one thing and musicians want another thing. NFT artists, want everyone wants sets of features. And we realized that um, we weren't going to be able to sit down and just map out in a Google Doc, here's what it's going to be because to predict. So the best and the healthiest thing we felt was to speak to different stakeholders and different people in different communities and find out, okay, what would you need or what would help you? Um, and then rather than building the platform and trying to fit the people into it, we're taking who everyone is and all the different people that are using it and fitting the platform around them. Fab, fab, brilliant, brilliant. That's going to be it for myself. I'd like to appreciate you both joining me today. I want to know what's the best way for our readers to keep up to date with the wristband platform, as well as perhaps the um, part, the, the labs program. Excuse me. Yeah, I think the, the best way to find us is on Discord. So if you go to Wristband Inc. on Twitter, there's a link to our Discord. Uh, we're also Wristband Inc. on uh, across other social media platforms. 
we drop right now they're like secret community only events if you go to the events channel uh there's lots of chatter there you can introduce yourself share your artwork um it's where where all the hype is happening uh we're also in there every day so if you have questions for us uh we'd love to hear from you roman and i are also on linkedin Fantastic, brilliant. And for our listeners, get more XR news by following our social pages. I'm Rory Greener from XR Today. Thank you very much for watching.